Welcome to Knickknack News. I'm Alex. And I'm Anthony. And my first story is science news. This is from Gizmodo. 15,000-year-old viruses were pulled from a Tibetan glacier. Wow. (laughs) More viruses. So it's like one of those things where you're like, should we have left those there or... (laughs) Should we maybe have just not pulled them out? Just like, hey, why not keep them, keep those keep, in there? Keep those in <laughs> there. <laughs> anyway, a team of microbiologists studying glacier ice in Tibet found 33 different viruses dating back to the Pleistocene in the core samples they pulled up. The Pleistocene being like the Pleistocene era, which I don't actually know where yes. that falls on geologic timescale, but. I've heard that word. Yes. But I don't know when that was. That's about the extent of my knowledge, too. <laughs> Just flies. Smacking everything. <clears throat> they suspect that the viral communities may have been active on glacier surfaces before being frozen, and that some may be active even within the ice cores. Uh, oh. Their complete analysis of the virus's ecology was recently published in the journal Microbiome, which is where I would put it, too. Mm-hmm. Uh, of the 33 viruses identified in the ice, 28 were novel. That is, they had not previously been documented. Uh, they came from families that typically infect bacteria, and about half had genetic signatures that indicated they were built for ice ages. Like, their genes actually suggested that they are, like, really good at adapting to very cold climates, which is kind of interesting. Oh. Um, yeah, so... The team notes that climate change means those pathogens are melting out of their stasis in the glaciers, and which could be a problem in multiple ways. Uh, you can probably guess one of them. Hmm, I wonder um, <laughs> what might be an issue with this. Uh, so they said such melting will not only lead to the loss of these ancient archived microbes, which I'm less concerned about that. Uh, <laughs> I'm, I have zero concern of that. Okay, and and viruses um, are this ancient archive of micros and, bio- and viruses, but also release them into the environment in the future, which that is the one I'm more concerned about. <laughs> but they yeah. also said the samples um, that they extracted and the viruses inside them are likely of no threat to us. Uh, the way that they work with the cores, the viruses are immediately killed by the chemistry of the uh, nucleic acids extraction, so they are not active. Um, so that's really just the ones that they're working with, specifically not necessarily what's in the glacier. So, not a lot of confidence there. Um, And then, yeah, like, (laughs) the next thing in the article is, there's a non-zero chance that melting glacier ice will release active viruses not seen since the Pleistocene into the world. Um, But but the good news is, these frozen biomasses are often in such small quantities that it's the outside world that presents a threat to them and not the other way around. Like, they're more more likely to to die. I mean, we don't know for sure. Yeah, I guess we don't know. but, But I could see that, too, of, like, comes out it's not adapted to like today's mm-hmm. world yeah it's just been frozen yep but what if it actually is and then it is another pandemic you know we I mean, don't know hey, who knows we don't know <laughs> something to look forward to <laughs> there's there's always something <laughs> okay my first story is ai news 
This is from petapixel.com. The headline is, Italian museums are using AI cameras to determine if people like the art. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why that's this so is, funny to me. It was funny to me, too. That's why, <laughs> that's why I brought it. Uh, a group of Italian museums from Bologna has introduced a new augment, augmented reality cameras. No, they're just AI cameras um, that are designed to determine <laughs> the appeal of exhibited paintings by collecting data on how many visitors view them and for how long. Okay. Uh, titled the Share Art Project, the system developed and implemented in Italy consists of a series of devices that are equipped with a camera to collect data and send it to a central server for storage and processing. The information helps monitor visitors' interest and appreciation of the works of art. <laughs> uh, this is a quote from the experts participating in this project. Through a camera positioned near the work, the system automatically detects faces looking in the direction of the work itself, acquiring data related to the behavior of the observers, such as, for example, the path taken to approach the art, the number of people who have observed, the time and distance of observation, the gender, age, class, and state of mind of the visitors who observe the art. <laughs> what? I don't know. The they're looking for like emotions, mind, yeah. I guess, like emotional analysis of what you're looking at. Intoxicated. <laughs> I mean, that was. I was thinking, like, are you happy yeah. looking at this? But maybe they're looking at their inebriated in some way. <laughs> so um, they have a pilot uh, going already, where they're collecting data on this already. Um, and so, for example, apparently. Visitors spend an average of just four to five seconds observing art. That's what they found so far. Okay. Um, and they, there's only a few pieces so far that have managed to keep visitors engaged for more than 15 seconds at the art. Um, and I was thinking, like, is that a really long time? Like, 15 seconds to look at one? I don't I'm think it's to, that long. Like, yeah. when I go to the art museum, there's certain things that I've, like, looked at i think yeah like if it's like a really complex painting 30 seconds like you know on. yeah you kind of look around it i don't know now, but I, now, now i feel like i like, need to stare at something for 15 seconds just to see yeah like how on is it uncomfortable to stare at something for 15 <laughs> seconds i don't know but that's what they found four four to five seconds is the is the average okay of, that people look at art i mean that makes sense to me because so. there's a lot of times i'll go to an art museum i'm like yep i'm good on this yeah one. right, <laughs> right. <laughs> that makes sense to me too <laughs> <laughs> it's just you look at it, you're like, okay, yeah, you go to the next one. I see what this is about. All right. Um, so supposedly they're hoping to use this data to help like make the galleries like better by like changing mm -hmm. things and seeing if it improves people's like satisfaction with like what they're looking at. And stuff. Yeah, the path so. stuff seems like it would be the most useful, like that kind of thing, like how they approach it and stuff oh. for like designing how things are. Oh yeah, I didn't maybe. even think about that. Yeah. But yeah, because I, so, I yeah, I don't know like what do you get from like that. knowing how long they stare at something. Just <laughs> they're like, hmm. The, the the visitors to our museum like Monet. Let's try to get more of those. I, get, yeah. <laughs> I don't know. It's, it's it's also like art is completely subjective. I know. So it's, it's so just like what right. what are you trying to objectify? I don't know. Like it's just the whole. It's it's interesting. It's an interesting it's experiment funny. for sure, but also um, very strange. <laughs> yeah. My next story is Space News. 
This is from LiveScience.com. 4.6 billion year old meteorite found in horseshoe footprint. What? <laughs> what? They found an ancient hor- ancient meteorite in the footprint of a horse, apparently. Okay. That's so, pretty bizarre. Yeah, I guess it's I mean, it, they could have found it anywhere. It's just for it's just how it ended up landing there. I don't know. <laughs> it's just random. Uh a, a, a crumbling hunk of rock found in a field in England is a rare meteorite from the earliest days of the solar system, dating back about 4.6 billion years. Uh, it was found in uh, Gloucestershire in March by Derek Robson, a resident of Loughborough, uh, England. If you hadn't figured mm-hmm. that out from the names by now, <laughs> uh, and the who is also the director of astrochemistry at the East Anglian Astrophysical Research Organization. Whoa! So good person to find. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Wait a second. I was like, oh, that that's not just a rock. Um, the meteorite was sitting in the imprint of a horseshoe left behind in a field. Uh, the space rock is a carbonaceous cron- or condite, chondrite, carbonaceous, 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 fergalicious definition. <laughs> uh, <laughs> it's <laughs> it's called carbonaceous chondrite, which is a rare category that makes up only four to five percent of meteorites that are found on Earth. Uh, these hail from the asteroid belt between Mars and Jupiter and formed early in the history of the solar system. Uh, they often contain organic or carbon-bearing compounds, including the amino acids, that make up the ba- basic building blocks of life. Uh, this raises questions about whether these meteorites hold clues to how living things first emerged in the solar system. Um, they said if the team can confirm the presence of amino acids in the sample, the findings might reveal new information about how the early ge- geochemistry of the solar system set the stage for life. Um, but hmm. they're still in the initial stages of examining it. So, Wow. Like, what are the chances you just, like, happen across? It's like, oh, this is actually almost 5 billion years yeah. old. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, if it was a, an average person, they probably wouldn't have recognized that that was something special right so it just oh like, yeah because it's it, from how, all accounts it just looks like a crumbling piece of black rock right so that guy was like he's like wait a second this i know what that is yeah get this horse footprint out of the way this is a this is a meteor this is a carbonaceous is carbonaceous that, carbonaceous con, rock con, here con, con, chondrite <laughs> i don't know why but i just love that word for some reason carbonaceous yeah. <laughs> My next story is archaeology news. This is from CNN, and the headline is ancient... Actually, I actually changed the headline because I didn't like the headline that they had. It was totally misleading. So I made a new one. Okay, yeah. (laughs) Ancient artifacts discovered in Egyptian sunken city. Ooh. Yeah. But now I want to know what the other headline was. The other headline was... Sunken city discovered in Egypt. Oh. It was totally false. It's oh. been, it was discovered in 2001. Oh. I was Rude. like, what? Yeah. What is this headline? Yeah. It's okay. actually about the stuff they discovered in the sunken city. Okay. It's still cool that there's a sunken city. Yeah, I, there's a sunken city. I'm discovering Outside of Alexandria, Egypt. <laughs> yeah. Right. I, I had never heard of this. So. Yeah. Divers have discovered rare remains of a military vessel in the ancient sunken city of Thonis Heracleon. No idea if I'm pronouncing that right. Mm. Which was once Egypt's largest port on the Mediterranean. Mm. Uh, The city, uh, which controlled the entrance to Egypt at the mouth of a western branch of the Nile, 
dominated the area for centuries before the foundation of the city of Alexandria nearby by Alexander the Great in 331 BC. Okay. So this is like a very ancient Egyptian city. (laughs) Uh, Destroyed and sunk along with a wide area of the Nile Delta by several earthquakes and tidal waves, the city was rediscovered in 2001 in Abu Kir Bay near Alexandria, which is now Egypt's largest, or sorry, Egypt's second largest city today. Okay. Um, the military vessel that was found sank when the famed Temple of Amun, which it was mooring next to, collapsed in the 2nd century BC. A pl- preliminary study shows the hull of the 25-meter flat-bottom ship, ship <laughs> with oars and a large sail was built in the classical tradition of ancient Egypt and had features of ancient Egyptian construction, according to Egypt's Tourism and Antiquities Ministry. Um, In another part of the city, archaeologists also found the remains of a large Greek funerary area dating back to the first years of the 4th century BC. The Tourism and Antiquities Ministry says, this discovery beautifully illustrates the presence of Greek merchants who lived in the city at the time. Um, so yeah, so that's what they found. It was All right. Cool. There unfortunately were not like pictures of this stuff that at least that I saw. All right. Which Suspicious. was like, there was like in the article, they had a picture of just like a diver, but you couldn't really like see <laughs> anything. So okay. <laughs> I was hoping they had a picture of the ship this or something. This is how we but, find these things <laughs> by diving. Yeah, I mean, so that's yeah. not helpful. But yeah, but I'm, I'm sure you've seen pictures, like the ancient Egyptian like boats and stuff like it's like it was one of those like a big one that they and so that's pretty cool so that's, hopefully that's exciting yeah they'll be able to like recover some stuff and put it in a museum or something sunken cities seem cool yeah <laughs> just like stumbling across one of those like, like whoa <laughs> <laughs> whoa this whoa. is here i was like, wondering, like how does a whole city sink you know it's like it's not just a building it's like a large area of like, like an earthquake it's like a whole i just can't imagine that like happening but you know yeah. it happens i guess yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and this is proof <laughs> yeah my next story is food news and this is from cbs uh it brings back an old friend of ours oh muffins sold by retailers nationwide recalled for listeria concerns <laughs> <laughs> It's probably cruel to call this Listeria. food news. <laughs> <laughs> you got you got all excited for food news and yeah, I did. It's, sorry, it's actually another recall Aww. story. Okay, I usually relegate these to breaking news, but uh, <laughs> no, that's fine. That's fine. Muffins no, this time. Muffins. Wow. That's a new one. That's a new, that is a new one. I don't think we've don't think we've had muffins before. Right. I don't think we have. This more than two dozen types of muffins Whoa. sold by retailers nationwide are being recalled due to potential con- potential contamination with listeria, a germ that can cause an infection that kills about 260 Americans each year and sickens another 1600 according to the CDC. Um, so it's pretty dangerous. Not but I mean, also for younger, healthy people, it's usually not actually that big of a concern. Um, consumers are being urged to immediately dispose of and not eat a total of 26 muffin products that had been available for purchase at 7-Eleven, Stop and Shop, and all Walmart stores and Sam's Clubs. So if you don't shop there, and you if that's where you get your if that's not where you get your muffins, you're probably good. Okay, all right. Um, the issue cropped up during an environmental monitoring program, and no illnesses have been reported. So that's also a good oh, thing. Oh, okay. Nobody's so they proactively found it. Okay. Yes, which is that's a good sign. That means yeah. the systems are working. Yes. Um, uh, the story itself, which will of course be in the show notes, uh, show notes. 
uh, includes a link to a comprehensive list of recalled muffins. Um, some of the names and store brands in the recall include Uncle Wally's, The Worthy Crumb, Freshness Guaranteed, which seems like an unfortunate choice of name right now. Though I guess Listeria isn't necessarily because they're not fresh. It's just because they were contaminated. Yeah. Uh, great Value, which is not also... This one isn't. It's a great value on Listeria, I guess. Um, and Market Side. So, again, okay. if you have any of those muffins, uh, get rid of them. Yeah. Or, more specifically, check this news story, check the list, and make sure you, they're not those muffins. Yeah. Because I'm sure it's only from certain lots, too. But, mm-hmm. anyway, recall. Recalls. <sighs> I don't think I have any of those muffins, so. Then you should be good. I think I'm good. Yeah. Yeah. Although I do love muffins. I do, too. My next story is animal news. This is from HCN.org. The headline is, California budgets $61.5 million for wildlife crossings. Oh. Yeah. That sounds nice. It's very nice. Um, This is actually slightly old, but I want to talk about it anyway. Um, so, uh, So a little earlier this month in July... Uh, the governor of California signed a budget that includes $7 million to help build a large wildlife bridge over Highway 101 and another $54.5 million for similar projects in other parts of the state. Um, And this is part of a larger nationwide push to build special bridges and tunnels that help animals safely cross busy roads and freeways. The goal is twofold, to give species at risk the space they need to find mates and also to reduce the number of car crashes that imperil both wildlife and humans. I think we've talked about a wildlife bridge before, right? If either on the pod or in real life. Yeah. I can't remember if it was <laughs> I can't remember if it was actually in the episode or if we just talked about it. Yeah. But um yes, these definitely exist are in our thing and um different states are looking at this. So apparently um about 7,000 vehicle crashes every year happen um on California highways involving large wildlife such as deer. According to 2018 data from the Road Ecology Center at the University of California, Davis. So, like, it's a big issue mm-hmm. that hopefully this will help with. Um, and this article also noted that other states have built effective wildlife bridges at this time. Um, <laughs> Utah uh, saw a 98.5% reduction in deer mortalities when it built two animal underpasses on a stretch of highway um, that had blocked traditional migratory routes. Oh, wow. That's not, it's a huge impact. Yeah, yeah. That's, about, that's about as well as you could do. Yep. <laughs> uh, and then in Colorado, wildlife vehicle collisions dropped by 89% after they built two bridges to help mule deer and elk safely cross a highway. So, like, that's just some of the Yeah, still pretty great. Numbers. Like, <laughs> yeah, it's I, clearly helping. I think I saw somewhere, too, like, the cost of putting up these bridges is less than like the total cost of the economy for like car repairs and stuff oh, yeah, I caused believe that. by these animals. Yeah. So it just like believe that. from a pure economic standpoint, it makes a ton of sense, but also it's great for the animals. Obviously. Yeah. It's like just a win-win situation. Yeah, it's better economically. Really, yeah. <laughs> it's good for the animals and it's like a safety thing for people too right. to not have like huge animals crossing the highway. As someone who has hit a deer. I mean, I've, I would, oh, you've actually hit a deer. Oh yeah. I mean, not, I've come on, the, cl- not on the highway. I okay, was on like a good. side street, but it was still like, I was going like 25 and it still destroyed. Like, yeah. The front it's really scary. Was, I mean, I've come close plenty of times. I've yeah. never, you know, knock on wood, never actually hit one, but mm-hmm. like. 
yeah, it's really scary, you know, and they are on the highway. And like, that's, that's like, right. you're going so fast and they're big animals. And it's just like, ugh. yeah, it's good for everyone. Yeah. It's really a win-win situation. So, um, yeah. So I'm glad they're doing this. I thought that was exciting. I wanted to talk about it. Yay. Yay. All right. It's time for breaking news. The part of the show where Anthony and I look up stories that just happened today or were just posted today and we read them to you on the fly. Muffins. Ready, set, go! Go. All right, (laughs) I'm sorry, but this is from this is from sixabc.com. Carrot recall 2021. Grimway Farms (laughs) recalls bagged carrots Carrots? (laughs) due to salmonella risk. So it's a different it's a different bug. So that's something. Oh, there's salmonella and carrots? I thought that was like a I mean, no. chicken thing, like no. a meat Maybe thing. Maybe somebody rubbed some chicken on these carrots. Oh, <laughs> ew. Um, <laughs> wait, ew. <laughs> I don't like that. Uh, Grimway Farms <laughs> is voluntarily recalling bagged carrots sold at grocery stores across the country because they may be contaminated with salmonella. Uh, the recall includes carrots sold under the brand names Cal Organic O Organics and Bunny Love. <laughs> Bunny Love Carrots. <laughs> Exactly. That's the only way that should be pronounced. Bunny love. Um, so, yeah, there's a list in the story, which we will link in the show notes. Um, they said this also was a recall as a result of a routine internal test. So, oh, once well, again, it was discovered before anyone got sick. Um, no illnesses have been linked to the recall. They're just uh, being honest with us, which is nice. That's very good. Um, in addition to the carrots sold at retail stores, they've also recalled carrots that went to manufacturers and food dist- uh, distributors. Uh, anyone who call- has the recalled product in their home should not consume it and should destroy or discard it, as you should know by now. <laughs> That's what you do with the recalled product. Get yes. rid of it. Yes. Um, but yeah. So, yeah. Sorry for t- <laughs> recall stories it's really in one okay. episode. But, uh, it is our yeah. duty to inform our listeners when we're, there's a recall. We're the... We're one of everyone's prime sources on recall <laughs> announcements, and right. we take that responsibility very seriously. Okay, I have something from UPI. Uh, the headline is, World's Longest Cornhole Game Underway in Nebraska. Oh, still going on. <laughs> still happening. This is so breaking. It's not done yet. <laughs> it's not even done. It is. It, this is live. <laughs> <laughs> The cornhole game is currently reporting live from Nebraska from the cornhole game. Um, Organizers of a world record attempt for the longest game of cornhole uh, in Nebraska um, have announced today that um, they're still going. (laughs) Um, Andy Fedoris, one of the players attempting the world record in a gymnasium at Lord's Central Catholic School in Nebraska City has said that the team discovered the Guinness World Record time to beat was 26 hours and 13 minutes. Um, so they've actually surpassed that at this point and are going to keep going as long as they can. Hey, you got it because that makes it harder for somebody else to beat you. Um, Fedoris said the team is already discussing attempting to break another world record next year by attempting to hold the world's largest cornhole tournament. He said that the number to beat there is 167 teams in a cornhole tournament. That seems so, doable too, yeah. I think that that is pretty doable. All right. Now, my question is, how do you make a cornhole game last a really long time? Do you just like you just wait? just keep wasting 
Do you just like wait to turns. throw like your thing, like or or you just keep or like you like? Thro- well, you, just you know keep- how like sometimes when the rules are, if you go over, like it resets back to twenty one or however or like sixteen or whatever you're playing. Yeah. Um. Maybe they're just doing that and then like intentionally going over or. Oh, or or just like throwing it off the board, throwing it off the board on purpose, or and just yeah. throwing it back and forth. Like, like they're both at twenty, and they need twenty one, and they're both just constantly missing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know. That's uh, yeah, that sounds pretty fun, though. I don't know if I would. I'd probably get tired after, you know, after a couple would, of hours. After like, yeah, probably two hours, maybe yeah. I'd be tired. <laughs> I don't know if I could go like twenty four. That's kind of a lot. That's um, a lot. Yeah. All right, that's our show. Thanks for listening, everybody. We post episodes <laughs> normally every Friday. We had an exception this week, but that's okay. Um, we post episodes every week. And as always, the links to this week's stories will be in the episode description. You can subscribe to Knickknack News on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever else you listen to podcasts. And you can follow us on Facebook at facebook.com slash News. On Twitter at at News and on Instagram at News. All right, we'll see you next week. Bye. Bye.